Welcome back to The Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. It's Wednesday, and so here on The Daily Devotion, that means it's Westminster Wednesday, and we're going to take a look at a section of the Westminster Confession. We've been working our way through this, and we're up to the fifth chapter of the Westminster Confession, which is titled Of Providence. And so just for a little background before we pray, in the Shorter Catechism, uh, it says that God uh, executes his decrees through his works of creation and providence. So two chapters ago, we looked at the decrees of God or the decree of God, that, that, that the fact that he has decreed all things. And now we've looked at, in chapter 4, creation, one way that he executes his decree. And so now we turn to providence, the other way that God executes his eternal decree. So let me pray for us. We'll look at the first paragraph of chapter 5 this morning, and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you again, as we often do, for faithful men and women who have gone before us and who have given us faithful summaries of what your word teaches. We thank you especially for the confession of faith that was penned at Westminster and for the, the help that it is in understanding the system of doctrine that is found in Scripture. We ask that you would help us by your Spirit to believe who you are. In Christ's name, amen. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 5, paragraph 1, says this, God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures, actions, and things, from the greatest even to the least, by his most wise and holy providence, according to his infallible knowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will, to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. So here we have kind of a, an overview statement of the providence of God. This doctrine, what we mean by providence is that that God rules and overrules everything in his creation according to his decree, that, that nothing happens apart from his will, which we've already talked about in the, the chapter, chapter 3 of the decree of God. But here, in this first paragraph, we're told what it is that God does, for whom God does this, how God does this, and why God does this. That is why he rules and directs all of these things. So first of all, God, the great creator of all things, the, the creator God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible who spoke all things into existence, the God that the confession has just laid out, created all things by verbal fiat according to the power of his word. He also, we're told in this first section, upholds, directs, disposes, and governs. Four, four verbs, four things that he does. He upholds all things. He directs all things. He disposes all things. That means he, he assigns their end, and he governs all things. Now, I say all things because it says that what he upholds, directs, disposes, and governs are all creatures, all actions, and all things from the greatest even to the least. So what the divines, what the Westminster divines are wanting us to understand here is that there is nothing that is outside the providential care, the providential upholding, directing, disposing, and governing 
There's nothing that's outside the providential care of God. Everything that comes our way, everything about us, every incident in our life, every circumstance of our life, and everything involved in every circumstance of everyone's life is upheld, directed, disposed, and governed by God. So, so this is an incredible statement that he is the one who is in control. That, that he's the one who is working all things together according to the counsel of his will, as the Bible tells us. Nothing happens apart from his will. Not a hair falls from our head. Not a, a sparrow falls from the sky. The, the flowers are dressed in the beauty that they're clothed in because it is God's will and because he upholds, directs, disposes, and governs such. So when we look at our life, here's one kind of point of application when we look at our life and whether we see some phenomenal blessing or, or some phenomenal difficulty in our life, we, we recognize that in either situation, it is God who is at work in and through that reality. In fact, it is God who is at work to, to bring about that reality because he upholds, directs, disposes, and governs all creatures, all actions, and all things. So there's no point in our life where we're out from under the will of God. Now, we need to be careful with what we mean there because that doesn't mean we don't sin. And it also doesn't mean, as we've talked about previously, that God is somehow the author of sin. But it does mean at no point has God lost control of us or the circumstances of our life. And there's some comfort that comes with that because it reminds us that we are kept, that we are upheld, that we are directed, that we are disposed, our end is assigned, that we are governed by the God who is the great creator of all things. Now, how does he, does this? How does he do this? First, by his most wise and holy providence. That's... It, by his knowledge, his perfect wisdom, his perfect holy providence, he does this. And he does it second, according to his infallible knowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will. Okay, so he knows what he's doing, his most wise and holy providence. What he's doing is right, his most wise and holy providence. And he's doing it according to his infallible knowledge. In other words, his knowledge is perfect, and, and he doesn't err in executing his decrees. At no point has he erred in executing his decrees. At no point has he failed to uphold, direct, dispose, and govern all creatures' actions and things. His knowledge is, is perfect, and it can't err. It's infallible. Second, it's he, he does this according to the free and immutable counsel of his own will. In other words, and we talked about this when we talked about the decree of God, he is not acting in response to something else. His will is not bound by anything outside of him. And his will is immutable. It's unchangeable. 
So he's not waking up to use a metaphor, obviously, one day saying, oh, I want to do this. And then, like we so often do, waking up the next day and having changed his mind and wanting to go in a different direction. His will is both free. That means he is not acted upon from something outside of him. And it's immutable. It doesn't change from day to day. And so that's why we can know that at no point are we outside of his will. Because he knows what his will is, and it doesn't change. And he operates perfectly accordingly to, according to it. Now, why, why does he do all this? Why is he upholding, directing, disposing, and governing all things in these ways? The last clause of this paragraph lets us know. To the praise of the glory of his wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy. In other words, for his glory, that, that he might be exalted as the God of all creation, that his name might be known among all the nations, that he might be glorified. So this is a very helpful statement, a very helpful reality for us to keep in mind, because so often we look at our lives and, and we're focused on ourselves and we come up with this kind of answer or this kind of statement. I can't imagine why God would let X, Y, or Z happen. The problem with that statement is we're, we're, even if it's, you know, at a very low level, we're pretending that we have some perfect knowledge of what God would do. We're pretending that we are the ones with immutable, infallible knowledge of his will, and we're not. We also, when we're making statements like that, and again, we don't like to admit this, but it is true, when we're making statements like that, we're also kind of saying that, well, my wisdom, power, justice, goodness, and mercy is what should be the end of all things. My comfort or, 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 or you know, my life being blessed. Now, again, we would, most of us, never just outright say that, but, but we have to really examine kind of our thought processes in these things. This paragraph in the confession reminds us that God is doing what he's doing according to his will, not ours, and for his glory, not ours. This is why the, the catechism begins with this question, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what has God, the great creator of all things, disposed man to? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's, what, that's the end for which we are being upholded, to which we are being directed, and by which we are being governed, that he might be glorified in our lives. We don't always understand how what we are facing, what we are dealing with, what we are walking through glorifies God, but we know that it does. And this is what the confession is wanting to remind us of here. And it should give us confidence, it should give us comfort, and it should humble us. Because it reminds us we're not the end, and so we are humbled. It reminds us that he is in control, and he acts perfectly according to his will. And so we are comforted. And we are given confidence because it reminds us that we will never be out from under the will of God. He will never lose control of us. He will never let us slip off into some chaotic state that is outside his ability or willingness to uphold, direct, dispose, 
and govern according to his will. And so we are confident as we face the things that we face. Not because we think, I know how to handle this, or I know how to get through this, but because we know God is in control, and he will see me through to his glorious end, and that will not fail. Might we learn to rest in the wonders of the providence of our God. Amen.